Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, August 12th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Joe Biden's vice presidential pick, historic and moderate. Russia says it has a vaccine for coronavirus, but is it safe? And new details in two corporate scandals. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Joe Biden's running mate sweepstakes is over. The presumed U.S. Democratic presidential nominee yesterday announced his vice presidential running mate for November's election, Kamala Harris, the U.S. senator from California. For our listeners outside the U.S., Ms. Harris's name probably sounds familiar. She ran against Mr. Biden in the 2020 Democratic presidential primary race. She dropped out in December. Now, while Ms. Harris probably isn't the first pick for progressive Democrats, she might draw moderates who jumped ship for Donald Trump back in 2016. The FT's U.S. managing editor, Peter Spiegel, explains that Ms. Harris, who is of Jamaican and South Asian descent, has a wide appeal among centrists. Well, the first thing to know is she is, as he's been saying all along, a woman. <laughs> I mean, he's been saying that he wanted to have gender balance on the ticket and you know, at a time when the Black Lives Matter movement in particular has been motivating Democratic voters, he's picking an African-American woman. And I think that's incredibly important for rallying the base, because those are two components of the Democratic Party that frankly didn't show up four years ago, both Blacks and women. Women went much more for Trump than people anticipated. So by picking an African-American woman, he is basically energizing two bits of the Democratic base that he needs to show up in 2020. Peter, what comes to mind with a Biden-Harris ticket when it comes to economic policies? Like Joe Biden, on economics, she is a Democratic moderate. She was not during the campaign embracing things that Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren were embracing, like Medicare for all. Frankly, it tripped her up a bit during the campaign. She had sort of wavered a bit about what exactly her health care plan looked like, you know. You've heard Trump banging the drum already on the Democrats or a bunch of socialists. Well, Kamala Harris is not a socialist. She's got a track record. And in a Biden-Harris ticket on economic issues, they are able to argue with credibility that they're not that. They are not socialists. They are from the Democratic mainstream, and they can appeal to moderate voters in most of these big swing states that Biden must win to get to the White House. Peter Spiegel is our U.S. managing editor. And speaking of the economy— Republican U.S. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said yesterday that there had been no talks on a new economic stimulus package since Friday. After the comments shortly before the markets closed, the S&P 500 reversed course and closed down eight-tenths of a percent. The U.S. government is delaying its $765 million loan to Kodak. The money was supposed to go to the company's efforts to produce pharmaceutical ingredients to treat coronavirus patients. When the loan was originally released a few weeks ago, Kodak's share price spiked more than 1,000%, which raised a lot of eyebrows. The FT's U.S. business editor, Andrew Edgecliff-Johnson, says the company is coming under even more scrutiny for this loan. What emerged on Tuesday is that George Carfunkel, a Kodak director, and his wife Renee donated three million shares on that day to a little-known religious charity. It's a synagogue in Brooklyn. And those shares, at the average price at which Kodak shares were trading on that day, 
were worth about $116 million. So that's a fairly striking charitable donation. What's unanswered at the moment is whether Mr. Carl Funkel and his wife will receive any kind of tax benefit from that donation in due course. If they are in line for potentially a multi-million dollar tax write-off, then I think that would sharpen the scrutiny that Kodak is already under from not just lawyers, but a lot of legislators too. So Edge, I want to pivot a little bit to another American company. Um, What's been going on at McDonald's? Well, this week we had the extraordinary news that McDonald's was suing its former chief executive, Steve Easterbrook, who left the company in November last year after a consensual relationship, as they put it at the time, came to light with one of his direct reports. What emerged this week is that there were other sexual relationships uh, that he is alleged to have had with colleagues, and that according to a lawsuit that McDonald's has filed against Mr. Easterbrook, he hid details of those sexual relationships from the company when it asked him about them. So this is an extremely unusual situation. You don't normally see companies suing former executives, particularly companies of this size and stature. Andrew Edgecliffe Johnson is our U.S. business editor. We should note that Mr. Easterbrook could not be reached for comment when the FT tried to contact him earlier in the week. The worldwide race for a vaccine to treat COVID-19 is this week looking a bit like the space race of the 1960s. Russia says it's beaten the West with a vaccine called, what else, Sputnik. Sputnik 5, to be exact. It's already in mass production, and key workers could begin receiving it in a matter of weeks. So how did Russia beat companies and governments in the West? Well, it skipped a lot of the testing. It had just two months of human trials. But Henry Foy, our man in Moscow, says President Vladimir Putin has his own way of trying to show it's safe and effective. Vladimir Putin has said that his own daughter has been injected with this vaccine. Uh, And I know that other senior officials here in Moscow have also been uh, injected by it and and I say they're feeling fine. Uh, While, yes, this is very quick to market and testing is still going to go on while these vaccinations are rolled out, Moscow seems pretty confident that it will work. Mr. Putin's own daughter. um, You know, if if what he's saying is true, that's quite the endorsement. Um, Henry, was there anything else that might have built people's confidence in the vaccine? Well, he said there was no side effects and there was a very high antibody load afterwards. Talking about his daughter, he said that she had just a slight fever in the day after the jab and that so far everyone who has been ejected has shown, quote, stable immunity. Now, the Russian health ministry has said they believe it will uh, give immunity for two years. There's no clarity on how they've reached that, but that is what Moscow is guiding at the moment. I know it's still early days, but has there been any heavy skepticism lobbied at this vaccine? Yeah, there's been quite a lot of skepticism from mainly British and American researchers who have said that there's just not enough publicly available data out there from the Russians to allow other scientists to peer review, to look at the outcomes and to decide for themselves. And so they're relying heavily on what the Russians are saying about their own vaccine. And on the political side, there's a lot of people saying that this is unsafe to rush so quickly into vaccines, given that it hasn't even completed its full trials, as would normally be the case for a a drug of this kind. Give me a little bit of background about who developed and and financed this vaccine. 
So this is a completely state-run project, a state-owned institute called the Gamalaya Institute, which has developed Ebola vaccines and other vaccines in the past was the one that came up with it. They, in fact, used the same architecture that they'd used for the Ebola vaccine. And it was financed by Russia's sovereign wealth fund, the Russian Direct Investment Fund. So keeping it all in-house, so to speak, meant that they could really push through the approvals very quickly, but it also meant that this became something of a patriotic and somewhat nationalistic push to try to make sure that theirs was the first in the world. So what does this mean for the other hundred or so vaccines that are being developed and tested in different parts of the world? That's right. And, and really, the answer to your question depends a lot on politics. It's very, very unlikely that any Western country uh, will drop their own vaccine program and just use the Russian one that was released yesterday. And so apart from the propaganda victory, if you like, for Russia getting its one out there first, there's probably going to be no big impact on its other major competitors. But other countries outside of the West are likely to now turn to the Russian one. Uh, Moscow has said 20 countries already have expressed interests, which equates to 1 billion vaccine orders. The Filipino president has said he will use it. Brazil are interested. The Serbian president has said he's ready to take it. And there are trials planned in the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia. So the key markets, I think, will be outside the West, though in the US, in the EU, and perhaps in China too, I imagine researchers will just continue with their own version. To say this vaccine turns out to be as effective as Russia is claiming it'll be, could the country potentially gain financially from this vaccine? This is a question I've asked the sovereign wealth fund behind it. They say absolutely not, that they're going to provide this to other countries for free or at cost price. They're also keen to get other countries on board to help manufacture it. But really, the potential profits here aren't, aren't the key victory. It's, it's the soft power benefits that really are massive for Moscow. Uh, what is the possible ripple effect if this vaccine ends up working, if it ends up not working? We've interviewed the head of the Russian Sovereign Wealth Fund recently, and he made the very interesting point that probably in, in a couple of months, you're going to have a situation where four or so countries, China, Russia, the US, the UK, probably all have their vaccine. And other countries, smaller countries, will have to decide which of those four they trust the most. And that may well divide the world, at least temporarily. So that's a very important choice. You've got to decide which is the one you believe will be the most effective, the most safe, but also which is going to be available soonest. Henry Foy is our Moscow bureau chief. Thanks, Henry. Thanks a lot. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? 
Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.